Well, good morning, Heights family. Good to see everybody today. Good to see y'all joining us on the live stream. I hope y'all have had a great week. Uh, I just kind of want to warn you right now, in about five or six minutes, you're going to start to wonder, is he actually starting a message today? The answer is yes. But it might take me just a moment to get there. Got a lot of exciting things going on. I think it's, you know, we're a family gathered right now and sometimes you have to talk about family things. One is Love 804, the the announcement you just saw there. We have, uh, for several weeks now, uh, have had teams of about three, four, half dozen, ten guys going out to Poplar Lawn uh, Park uh, historic park down in the middle of Petersburg and have just been doing some pretty heavy work, heavy construction and, and landscaping and kind of getting it ready. We've been trying to refurbish that park. We've kind of take that on uh, ourselves. And you say, well, wh- why are we doing that? I-, I don't know if you've noticed, we live in a world more and more that at best is apathetic to the church, right? Worst case scenario, it's becoming increasingly antagonistic to the church. And, and I just like, let's just take that head on. And while that is going on all around us, let's become a church that the 804 can't imagine being without because of our involvement, our investment, the, the way we love and serve our community. Now, throughout the year, we do that in, in dozens and dozens of ways, sometimes as individuals, sometimes as, as a life group class. But every year for, I, I don't even know now, six, seven, eight years, we've been using the summertime to come together as a, as a group of hundreds to be a very visible uh, to be a very visible display in our community. And so while, you, while we have had these last couple of weeks with small groups going out there and preparing the park, what we hope to do this Saturday is have hundreds of people. We need hundreds of people. It's not just for visual. Uh, we need hundreds of people to kind of wrap up this stage of the uh, project. And I'm told it's light landscaping. I don't have a clue what hard landscaping is and light hands landscaping, but apparently that's how this Saturday is being described. And so you can go into the bulletin uh, and you'll get some information there, the heightsonline.com or right out there in the uh, concourse, there's a desk about that direction, people with this shirt on giving them out. Uh, if you've already registered to be a part or will be a part and want to register today, uh, you can get one of these. And who doesn't want this purple shirt or teal? If you're more of a teal person, that option is available also. But uh, folks, what an opportunity for us to go down there. And it's already had a profound impact. Already the city officials, uh, people around the park, all through that community are, are talking about what we're doing and why we would do that. And that's exactly what needs to be happening. So Saturday's part one. Part two, August 19th, we're going to go back to the same park. There's actually going to be an official ceremony where we kind of hand it back over to the mayor. And uh, then we're going to put on a fair that day, as you, again, just saw in the video uh, and we need, we'll need a lot of folks to help make that happen. So hope you'll get involved and, and be a part of that. We are coming off just a tremendous week of Vacation Bible School. I know we talked about that, prayed over that last week. We had, uh, gosh, I think our highest day was 882. And over the course of the week, we had well over 900, probably approaching 1,000 
people that were involved in vacation Bible school, which means each day there was 700 really smelly kids coming in from the playground and the outdoor activity into the rest of vacation Bible school. But man, folks, what a, what a week we had just to love on those kids and pour the claims of Christ and his word into their hearts and lives and build them up in that. We, on, on Thursday, we presented the gospel and, and saw over 80 come forward and uh, we counseled with them and are confident that a good 40 plus had a, a good understanding of their need for a relationship with Christ. I think we've got another couple dozen uh, that we're still kind of counseling and, and working with on that. But just a, a, a great response and we're no more cleaned up from vacation Bible school than this afternoon we leave for youth camp and uh, have about a hunt. And they're mostly sitting right here as you might imagine, and uh, I think we have 175 going, about 140 of those being young people, and we're just excited about that, and and I want to ask you to pray every day this week for youth camp. Now, as I say that, can we just have a moment of real honesty? We hear the word, let's pray at church, what, a half a dozen times every Sunday, and and it it just goes in one ear and right out the other. I, 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 I want you to pray. I'm pleading with you in the name of God. Every day, would you pray with me for three minutes about what God is going to be doing down at youth camp in the lives of these young people. Praying for, for salvation where that's necessary and, and for these kids that already know the Lord to become stronger than they've ever been in the Lord, to grow in their faith and, and for God just to, to use that. Folks, uh, so many of us here are very concerned about the next generation and the next generation's relationship with the church, but but... Folks, it's this past week, it's this coming week is our, our effort to restore and strengthen that. And that's, that's not the job of the 35 or so volunteers that are going with that 140. It's the job of every one of us. And every one of us can be praying this week. Three minutes just praying <coughs> about how God moves and, and works in that. So it's been, been a phenomenal, we're very excited about uh, about that and, and that opportunity this week with our young people. One other quick announcement. Uh, you know we have a campus out at Midlothian and have had that for four years. We've, we worship in, in Commonwealth 20 and then through the week we have had some offices and uh, just in the last year we got a little bit larger office space so that we could have some classrooms with that. And boy, just having a, a place we could go during the week made a, a really good impact on the church down there and just in strengthening and developing that core. Well, we've had an opportunity that has really come about fast. I mean, we just started talking about it two or three weeks ago and we're able to walk it and then talk with our uh, finance team this past Wednesday night. And Thursday, we signed a, a new lease moving to not just office space and classrooms, but, but to an actual church. Uh, it's right there in the same... Praise the Lord! Uh, it's right there in the same area that, that we've been. If, if you get off 288 and you're going west and you come to the light, most of us go left at the light to go to the movie theater. But to the right, right there at the light, there's, there's those buildings. That's where our current offices is. And there was a church in there. And uh, that church is dissolving. I've already heard rumor that we took a church over. We don't actually take churches over. It's, it's not a war. Uh, now, there are church mergers, but that, that's not what this is either. This, this is just a church that is dissolving, 
and uh, the, the, land, uh, the, the landlord of the, the property came to us and said, hey, here, here's this opportunity. The exciting thing is it's already a, a church. There's a sanctuary in there, uh, you know, classrooms, nursery, all of that. And, uh, man, we are just loving the relationship we have with our landlord out there. Let me tell you what he did. First of all, this first year, it's not going to affect our budget at all. We're able to make this move <coughs> inside our current budget. But also the landlord is giving us an opportunity. We'll take possession of the building uh, September 1st. He's not going to charge us rent for three months so that we can go in there and make it our church. You know, make it us. And so there'll be some light, light construction. I keep using this phrase, light and heavy, as if I know what they mean. But, but uh, we'll be going in there. He's giving us three months to turn it around. And then we'll move out of the theater, out of our current offices, into there. So really excited about this kind of 24-7 opportunity uh, we're going to have with our, our campus over there at Midlothian. Well, uh, folks, we have, I want to introduce you to somebody uh, really excited about. Uh, many of you maybe have met her in a life group class or you've heard her speak. If you were involved in Vacation Bible School this past week, you've met Jenny Hensman. Jenny is uh, from Zimbabwe, it, th- right? That's the truth? Yeah, so she's from Zimbabwe, maybe spent some time in England in one time in her life, which I think will become apparent. And, uh, but Jenny is, is somebody we've actually known now for several years, and when we've been going over to uh, Zimbabwe, there's several ministries that, that we're engaged with and work with, and those, those ministries all kind of work together. But we've kind of uh, identified Jenny and the work she's doing in the orphanages there as a partnership uh, that we want to have ongoing. And so last year, the offering for Vacation Bible School went toward uh, furnishing a home uh, for the orphans that she cares for. And this year, we decided to get a little bit more aggressive and uh, we're, we're trying to build a house now uh, for, for these orphans. And uh, we collected, the kids brought over $2,600 this week uh, toward that effort. And yeah, now I'm assuming... I'm assuming our children don't have $2,600 in their mattresses. I'm, I'm assuming moms and dads, you helped with that a little bit. But uh, Jenny, I wanted you to meet Jenny and just hear a little bit about her ministry. And, and hopefully you're encouraged to say, hey, I want to go, go see where she's doing that and be a part of it because we are going over there. So Jenny, tell us a little about yourself and the ministry you got going on in Zimbabwe. Thank you. Good morning. <coughs> Is it still morning? Oh, is it? oh, yeah, it's still morning. Okay. It's lovely to be here. Thank you, Pastor Randy, for the privilege of letting me come and share with the children and share today. I want to share a little bit about Zimbabwe, where I've been living for the past 13 years now. I'm responsible uh, for 21 children there, but before I talk about those, let me just share a little bit about the nation of Zimbabwe. We're a nation in crisis. We're in a terrible crisis. 95% unemployment. One in three are HIV positive, and it's probably actually a bit higher than that. So there's a whole generation wiped out. So grandparents, if you're a grandparent here, if you were in Zimbabwe, you would be caring for your grandchildren because of all the deaths from HIV. So 12% of our country Uh, Our children who've been orphaned and abandoned, that's 1.2 million. So you can imagine uh, the need that's in our country with these children. 
And that means so most people would live on one meal or less a day. There's such poverty uh, throughout the nation. But the good news is God loves Zimbabwe. He really does. And we see his love on a day-to-day basis. It was lovely singing that song. He's a good, good father. And we experience that. And we see that for our broken children, a good father who brings healing and brings provision for these children. I want to tell you a little bit about three of the very special children that we look after because they're mine. So first of all, I want to introduce you to Thomas. I met Thomas nine years ago on Christmas Eve, and he's a real Christmas story. There was no room for Thomas. I met him in the hospital. We often went in the hospital uh, to go and see children that had been uh, left, that he used to ring us up. So I went with the matron of the baby home, and we went to see another child. And on the way out, I just happened to turn around, and I saw this little boy sitting in a cot, hunched over, looking miserable. And the thing that I noticed was that there was no one with him. Now, in Zimbabwe, there's not much care in the hospitals. So a child would have to have a relative, a parent or a relative, to come and stay with them and look after them in hospital. And there was no one with Tom. So something in me just felt I needed to go and find out about him. So I went back and asked the doctor, and he said, yes, Tom had been brought in about three months earlier, and he's very sick. He said he'd, he'd got HIV, TB, Kwashioka, which is to do with malnutrition. And the doctor said to us, he said, Jenny, this child is losing the will to live. And he begged us, he said, please take this child So I said to the matron, I said, oh, please, can he come to the baby home? And she said, Jenny, he's too old for the baby home. So I went to talk to the mother of the first home that we'd started. And I said, I've got a child we've got to take. But he's, you know, got a lot of health problems. And they said, Jenny, you've already given us three with special needs. We're just not sure we can cope with another one. So I said, okay, well, I'll take him. So I took Thomas, and then 18 months later, this is how he looked. There you go. So not, not that we have an expensive lifestyle, just to have the right nutrition, just to take his medication, because when you've got HIV, you have to take your medication at the same time, morning and evening, just to have that discipline, and you know, just to eat a healthy diet. But most of all, to be loved to be in a family, because that's God's plan, isn't it? Family's a great idea. So that's Tom. And then my other two little throwaway children, as I call them, Grace the baby. She was found in the bushes with ants all over her. And obviously somebody felt they couldn't cope. So she was taken to the hospital. And a friend of mine was looking for child number four to adopt. And just happened to say to me, oh, Jenny, come to the hospital with me. I'm going to look at a baby that's been brought in. So I said, oh, okay. And at this time, I was on a tourist visa. So I couldn't, you know, I couldn't adopt or foster, even if I wanted to. I I knew it was 
impossible. And at that time, it was very difficult to get paperwork. You know, especially being British, it was, it was difficult. So we went to look at this little girl. And Debbie took one look at her and said, this, this child isn't for me. I took one look at her and said, this is my little girl. Just something in my heart. And I thought, this is impossible. This can't happen. But God made a way. And three months later, she came to live with me. So that's grace. And then Mary. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and then Mary. Mary, I found in the hospital. Because we always went to the first floor and the second floor. And I didn't even know there was this child on the ground floor. And she'd been there for three years. She, she was three when I found her. She'd been abandoned. And she is crippled because she had rickets or because of lack, a lack of vitamin. Oh, sorry, Karen. Vitamin D. Karen's been trying to correct my English all week. I'm trying to remind her we did come first. <laughs> <laughs> So all because a lack of vitamin D, something that, would, that, that you know, could have been avoided because she had, nobody ever took her outside and she just lived on cabbage and sudsa. So on her notes, the doctors wrote, this child will never walk again. Well, she plays soccer for the school team. So they got that one wrong. And then the next one. So here they are, my three throwaway children. And I can tell you something. One day, I'm bringing these kids here, and we'll be, they'll be giving their testimony of a good, good father. Yeah. So it's amazing. So the next picture. So, yeah, we have a 30-acre. We call it a farm. I don't know why we call it a farm. It's a 30-acre plot. We, we, we do have a lot of chickens, but we've got a 30-acre plot, and we, we're building a children's village, harvest family village and we've got two homes with eight children in each with a mum and an auntie because family is so important being in a small community where they're loved and we hope to build 12 more houses uh, on site as God provides we'll be building and um, some of you have already been and been involved in the building and I'm so grateful to the church thank you thank you for coming out Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for partnering with us. It's incredible. And please, and it's so good to know there's so many young people here this morning. Think about coming, young people, on a mission trip. Come out, all of you. Think about coming. The church at Bulawayo, the Baptist church, we're involved in lots of things. Prison ministry, the elderly, children. We've got light work. If you want to do some light construction, Pastor Andy, We've got, so think about it because we need partnerships. We can't do it alone. We need each other. So thank you, church, for being involved in Zimbabwe. Oops, I, I snuck up. <laughs> thank you. Mm -hmm. I, I tell you, the first time I met Jenny, I thought, you know, I could listen to her talk, and after two minutes, I'd want to do anything she wants done. Uh, I, I tell you, it is a great opportunity to be able to, to spend time with her in Zimbabwe and just alongside what she's doing and the work there. We have a trip in September. Uh, I know coming up, um, among others, we'll be going there several times a year. You know, folks, I, I, let me just wrap this portion up and say, I hope you haven't thought, man, that's a long announcement time. 
You know, I hope what you heard this morning already is our values. The, the values of the Heights Baptist, and that is investing in our next generation, investing in our community, going out into our world. And, and I hope you're not just sitting back going, wow, yeah, church, that's a lot. Uh, yeah, we are doing a lot. We're not slowing down at all this summer. But, but when we say the church is doing a lot, you do realize this building hasn't done anything. The building hasn't done one thing this week except just sit here. No, it's you and I. We're, we're the church. And I hope you're asking yourself constantly whether it's in any of the things that we talked about today or things in the future. Hey, what's my role? What role am I playing? How am I being a part of what God is doing through the heights uh, in our community and in our world? And I'm th- so thankful that so many of you do rise up and be the church uh, for us here in our area. Well, we are, guys, pressing on through summer. I was putting the message together uh, for this week and was adding them up. Realized, my guess, this is already the ninth message on the promises. I don't know about y'all. It seems to me like it should be like our fourth message. It, this has gone so fast. It's hard. I mean, nine messages, that means that's like already 20% of the year. Uh, that, that we have spent on, on the promises of God. But man, think of what we have seen in these nine weeks. We heard God sell you personally. There's a story for your life. There's a purpose for your life. And I promise you that purpose is going to be fulfilled. We heard God tell us when you confess, I promise here's what you can expect. Think about that, folks. We are rarely going to go tell somebody the wrong we've done. We're, we're rarely going to go talk to somebody about the, the not-so-good parts of us because we're always afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of their response. And God says, I promise you what my response is going to be. You're going to experience forgiveness. We've heard God promise that he hears our prayers, that he guides us. We've heard God say, I've never set you up to fail. Whatever I call you to do, whatever I I, I want you to be, I will enable it. You can do everything in Christ who strengthens you. We have seen the promise that God is always with us. Isn't that awesome? In a world where everything and everyone comes and goes, mostly goes, God says, I will never leave you. I will always be with you. And we got another great promise. Well, you know, it's almost bad if this one is your hope, but we all do need it. God promised us that they, do you have a they in your life? (laughs) That they are not getting away with it. Sometimes it looks like they are. Sometimes it's not happening fast enough for us. But God promises where wrong is being done. They're not getting away with it. Justice will be done. And, and last week we saw that great promise that Jesus said in this troubling world in which you and I live, Jesus says, I will come back and get you. I, I will come back and get you and take you to be with me where I am forever. I mean, just promise after promise, such incredible promises. And that's just eight of them. That's eight promises I, I just rattled off there real quickly. But folks, that doesn't even turn the lid on the jar of God's promises. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of promises. How, how do we begin to even get an idea of what we didn't discuss at all? I mean, th- think of three. And I think these are three pretty profound ones that we didn't give any attention to at all. Because God promises you and me that in Christ... Now, that, that, those two words are big. The promise is in Christ. If I'm not in Christ, then this promise is not mine. But in Christ, I don't ever have to fear condemnation. 
And what an important promise in a world, in, in a room. Not just a world, in a room where we, where we live in fear of that. We, we live in fear of condemnation. We live in fear of being separated from somebody's love. Separated from somebody's acceptance. And God promises, no, in Christ, nothing can separate you from my love. We don't ever have to fear somebody going and telling on us to God. We don't ever have to fear God, somebody giving God the picture. There's nothing he's going to find out that is going to lead to condemnation, that is going to lead to him separating from us. He's promised us that. And on a very practical note, God has promised, I can meet your needs. I want to meet your needs. Now, when you go to those passages, there are certainly some conditions there, but we have a God who wants to work in our lives and, and meet the needs we have. And folks, we can just go on and on and on every promise addressing everything we need in our life. And, and, and yet, as I come out of this series, it, you know what was left in my mind is not an individual promise per se. I think as I came out of this series, I was overwhelmed this is just a statement about me, of how little I think about God's promises. I, I mean, these just, I don't think about them a whole bunch. And you know, if I'm not thinking about them, eh, pretty good chance I'm not praying about them, because it's real difficult to pray about something if you're not thinking about it, right? And, and if I'm not thinking about it, and I'm not praying about it, then there's a really good chance I'm not stepping out on faith in that promise. And I thought, man, how, how is that? How, how can God have everything I need in these promises? And, and I don't even think about it. We don't even look at it. And I, I can confess that to you because I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one in the room for whom that's true. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that would be across the room. Not, not, I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of us are living huge chunks of life without ever thinking, without ever availing ourselves of these great promises. Why is that? How do we do that to ourselves? Have we just gotten so burned on promises, don't want to hear it anymore? You know, the promises that have been broken in my life, I mean, promises just, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, just don't even give any attention to it. Why, why do we treat God's promises that way? Hey, who, who is a, who's a person... That has broken a promise in your life. What, what was that promise that they broke? Now, now we're not going to tarry long there and think on that too much. Because it just puts us in a sour mood, right? Don't want to ruin Sunday afternoon. But, but if we can kind of separate ourselves just for a moment from that hurt. And that disappointment. Can you look back at that and answer the question. Why did they break that promise? What was the reason that led them to break that promise? And I started thinking this week, I did not spend a lot of time, I wouldn't call it science or anything, but, but I just jotted down, like in 90 seconds, I just started jotting down reasons people break promises. And, and here's the, the list I came up with. Now the first one is very scientific in research. People break promises because people are jerks, right? I, that's real. I know it doesn't look good in church, but it is real. I mean, hey, there's mean, hateful people out there, right? There's people who make promises for no other reason than to manipulate us. They have, they have no intention of fulfilling a promise. They, they just make promises to make themselves sound good, to get you to move and, and do something. And, man, they're just bad people out there. And, and you know what? I, 
I think when somebody breaks a promise in our life that's important to us, I, I, I think we just kind of tend to throw them all under this first category, don't we? They're, they're, they're just jerks. But, but if you stop and think about it, and it didn't take long, I, I mean, it didn't take me long, there are other reasons. I think sometimes people promise things they just can't deliver on. I mean, they sincerely made a promise to you and me. They sincerely want to fulfill it. They just can't. That they can't deliver. They don't, they don't have the ability to do that. I mean, that, that, that happens. Sometimes people make sincere promises to us and, and sincerely want to fulfill it, and, and they forget. <laughs> or life just kind of craters in on them, and there's circumstances going on, and they, they end up not being able to meet a promise they really wanted to. I mean, something as simple as, uh, you know, I, I promise I'll be there today. I promise I'll be at the game. I promise I'll be at the, at the recital. And I have every intention of doing that until... I have like the worst day of my life and I get going and everything and I just forget. Or, or I, I do everything I can to fulfill that promise and I, and I leave work on time and I run straight into the traffic jam from hell. You know, I had every intention, but, but the circumstances around me kept me from being able to do that. And by the way, it kind of sounds like I'm justifying all these things, aren't I? I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm just explaining kind of what goes on there. I don't, I don't think this makes it okay at all. I'm just looking, hey, you can really kind of look at different reasons people break promises. Sometimes people change, the situations change. You know, I, as a matter of fact, I'm confident this has happened to somebody in this room right now. You had a boss say, hey, listen, in this coming year, okay, you're, go you're going to get that raise. Hey, this coming year, we're going to change that situation. I know it's been difficult. I know it's been wrong, but, you know, we're, we're going to get this worked out. And this is going to, this is going to happen. And you, and you trust your boss. Man, you trust what he or she is saying to you right up to the point that the company transfers them to the other side of the world. And apparently he didn't tell anybody else or she didn't tell anybody else what they had promised you. And, what, that, that, see, there's nobody there anymore to fulfill the promise. Things just kind of changed on us there. Maybe, maybe we changed and we moved. We still needed that promise, but I'm no longer in the position to receive it now. And, and this is not a very fun reason, but it's reality, isn't it? Sometimes a person will make a promise to us and they up and die on us. That wasn't very nice, was it? They didn't take us into consideration at all before they went and died. But yeah, that, that happens. You know, that, that's five reasons. I mean, like I said, folks, I spent 90 seconds on that. That, that's five reasons. I, I don't know if there's more. Maybe there should be 10. Maybe there should be 20. But listen to this. None of the reasons, whether I landed on all of them or there's more to list, none of the reasons that we fail in each other in promises is true of God. None of those things are true of Him. Listen, here, here's some deep, deep theology for you. God is not a jerk. When you go to work, tonight, oh, we looked at some deep stuff yesterday in church. We learned that God is not a jerk. <laughs> but you know what, folks? We do need to learn that. Because what happens is we take the hurts and pains out of our relationships in this world. And it's, it's easy to start transferring that on to God. But God, God is not a jerk. Uh, the scripture says, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. That's just a line. That's not even the whole verse. And I could put a hundred other verses, literally. Not, not metaphorically, a hundred other verses up here describing God with words like kind and good and, and, and loving. That's who God is. That's what he's like. He doesn't lie. 
He just doesn't. I mean, lying goes pretty big into working with promises being broken, doesn't it? God doesn't lie. God's faithful. He shows up where he says he was going to be. He does what he says he's going to do. None of the things that make us bad with one another, none of that's true of God. You know what else? God is not unable. You and I can be unable to do something, but that's not true of God. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able... And we could just put a period right there and just pack up shop and go home. God is able. He's able to do even more than you and I could ask or think of him. I like the way Jeremiah says this here. Oh, Lord God, it's you who've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing, nothing, no promise you've ever made is too hard for you to do. Nothing's impossible to God. He's never dealing with an inability. God's also not out of control. You and I can be out of control of a day. You and I can be out of control of a week. That's not true of God. God does whatever he pleases. It doesn't matter what's going on in a day. It doesn't matter what's going on in a week. He does whatever he pleases. He's made everything. That, 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 those interruptions and the things that kind of wreck our day, that doesn't happen to God because God's made everything for his purpose. There's nothing, there's nothing breaking in on God's day. That, where'd that come from? No surprises for God. That, that, that's not true of him. Let's look at this. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In him all things hold together. Tuesday doesn't fall apart for God because God holds Tuesday together in every other day of the week, Right? Okay, so there's no circumstance that's making things fall apart. Job said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Folks, God's promises come out of God's purposes. God's promises come out of God's purposes so they can't be thwarted. They can't be stopped. So, so God doesn't deal with what you and I deal with in that sense of, of being out of control. And God, uh, God does not change. God does not change. Yes, people change. The people he loves and works with change. The situations he's moving and working in change. But God made all of his promises in light of all the changes that would come in the, in the story of humanity. So while everything around us can be changing, God does not change and his promises are anchored to that. And God does not die. God does not die. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Well, folks, if, if, if God's love lasts from eternity to eternity, then the God who loves is from eternity to eternity, for he is the king of the ages. Which age? All ages. Every, every age you go into. He's God, he's king, he is immortal, he does not die. None of the things that are true of you and me. That, that lead us to breaking promises, that lead us to hurting one another, failing one another, disappointing one another. None of those things are true of God. Listen, he is a promise-making, promise-keeping God. He has made every promise with a total knowledge of everything that comes before the promise and everything that comes after the promise. He has made every promise with all of the power to fulfill that promise. He's made every promise with an unbreakable devotion to those he's made that promise. 
an unbreakable devotion to you. An unbreakable devotion to you. Now that's cool sounding, but gosh, I bet some of us in here would say, gosh, I, I, I can't always tell God's fulfilling promises in my life. I don't know that I've always experienced that. Why is that? Well, you know, there, there actually can be a, a couple of reasons. One, in a lot of these promises, there's a condition. There's a condition that leads to the fulfillment of the promise, like that thing on forgiveness, if we confess our sins. Okay, so if I'm not confessing my sins, I'm not going to experience the forgiveness, watch this, that God's already given. The passage isn't saying that if I don't confess, I'm not forgiven. It says if I don't confess, I'm not going to be able to experience that. All sins are forgiven at the cross, right? So when you and I are confessing each day, we're not going there begging and pleading for forgiveness. What we're going there is we're being humble and we're being honest and we're saying, hey, this is between us because you see if you and I don't address that what happens well distance starts happening right man if I'm if I'm offending you hurting you lying about you lying to you you know I start to feel awkward I start to feel uncomfortable in front of you and so distance is created and boy it's hard to repair that distance but God says if you confess you're going to experience the faithful and just God I am you're going to experience forgiveness you're going to be able to live in that forgiveness so you go through any of these promises almost all of them they'll have some kind of specific condition that goes with it so if i'm not if i'm not living the condition i'm not going to experience that promise there's also general conditions i've tried to say this every sunday man these promises are not for seven billion people on the planet these promises are made to the child of god these promises are made to the, to the Christ follower. What I said a moment ago, if I'm not in Christ, well, no, not only do I not have the promise of never having to worry about being condemned, I can absolutely count on being condemned. I've got to be in Christ. You see, that's a, that's a condition. So there's specific conditions, there's general conditions, and then I think probably a, maybe a big reason, maybe for some of us in here, it's kind of referring to what I said about myself a moment ago. We're just living life, not thinking one bit about the promises of God. Just not even aware of them. Well, if you know, if you're not aware of it, if you're not looking toward it, you know what happens, folks? Promises get fulfilled right in front of you, and you don't even know what just happened. Which is, is horrible, because it means I don't see, I can't acknowledge how much God loves me. What God just did in my presence. What God just did for me right there. I miss it because I'm not looking for it. I don't see it. I don't recognize it when it happens right in front of me. And so kind of in that light, I started thinking, okay, well, what, what do I do to fix that? What do I do to, to resolve that? And, I, and I, I kind of thought we'd wrap up this series with two simple, it's two things I'm going to do. I, I think there are two things any of us can do. I mean, these are, these are really pretty simple so the first thing i'm gonna do is i'm gonna take these eight promises that we've been through and and i'm gonna memorize them not not just the the promise god hears prayers but the verse psalm 116 verse 2 that tells me that god hears prayers. i'm gonna memorize that verse now here's why i notice when i'm memorizing a verse i mean when you practice memorization because you all practice memorization right Everybody's saying yes. Yeah, you know, when you do that, you kind of repeat a phrase in your mind over and over, each, each phrase at a time. And as I'm working on that, I find it leads me to start praying about those phrases. 
And so if I'm trying to, to memorize 1 John 1, 9, I'm repeating my mind. Okay, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's faithful and what's that word? Just. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us, to cleanse us, to cleanse us, to from all unrighteousness. He's, if we confess our, hey man, confess our sins. Man, Lord, I'm not really, I'm not really doing that. Lord, I'm not, I'm not really very consistent in that. I'm not really very specific there. I mean, I, I mean, you ever just tell, hey, Lord, if I've done anything wrong, I'm sorry. That's not really confessing sins, is it? Man, Lord, as I do this, I, it, make me more sensitive to what's between you and me. Make, make me more sensitive to, to what I need to confess. Hey, Lord, your promise here, it, it says you'll, you'll forgive me. Lord, I, I struggle with believing that. Lord, I'm feeling a lot of shame. I'm feeling a lot of guilt. I, I, I just can't imagine how you would forgive me. I'm, I can't imagine that you could forgive me. But your, your promise here tells me that you have. Would you help me to believe? You see how I work on memorizing it and pretty soon I'm praying about it. I'm praying about a word that I'm memorizing there or a phrase in there. And as I go from memorizing it to trying to pray over it, you know what starts to happen? I start to look at it. When you're praying about something... You're now looking. I'm now looking for, for how God resolves this. How Looking for how God answers this. And I, and I begin to see God's promises being filled in my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the eight promises uh, and, and the verse with them. I'm going to post those on, on my Facebook today. If you kind of want to get all eight of them in a condensed version and join me in working on that. If we're not friends, friend me, Randall T. Hahn. Uh, if you get Randy Hahn, you'll get my son. And he laughs at the messages this church sends him thinking it's coming to me. And he doesn't respond to you. I'll tell you any different. Uh, but anyway, uh, friend me, Randall T. Hahn. And uh, there's a really good possibility, 7 out of 10, I'll friend you back. And, uh, and you may say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be your friend. You know, I get that. I'm not 100% sure I always want to be my friend. But I'll also post this on the church Facebook page, the, the Heights Baptist Church, if you want to go there and get it. But you can get it. You can share it to your page or, or copy it, and, and we can start working together. Now, number two, you might sound like, well, isn't that just the same thing as what you just said? It might sound similar, but I, I think it's almost a step to another Direction, But the second thing I'm going to do with these eight promises is for the rest of the year, I'm going to focus on one promise a week. See, I might be working on memorizing all eight in a given week, but I'm going to focus on one promise. Now, what does focus mean? Well, focus means I'm going to... I'm going to pray about how that promise is fulfilled in my life. I might pray God working that promise, fulfilling that promise in somebody else's life. I might, uh, I might look up some other verses that are connected with that or go with that and, and try to understand even more about that promise. But I'm going to focus on one verse a week. And I kind of thought, now how will I decide which verse I'm focusing on? And I thought to myself, you know, I bet each week will tell me what verse to focus on. <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of guessing I can get to any week and I'll be thinking, I want this promise right here, Lord. I, I need this one right here to really work on this week. Now, my goal is not to get to December 31st and say, I'm glad that's done. Did I get any points for that, Lord? No, I, I want to build a discipline. I want to build a habit in my life of constantly working and thinking promises into my daily and weekly living so that I don't end up ever again for the rest of my life on this earth saying, you know, I just, I know there's great promises out there, 
Just don't think about them a whole bunch. I don't, I don't want that to ever be true of me again. And I think the more I think on them, the more I'm praying about them, the more I'm focusing, the more I'm going to see how God is fulfilling promises all around me. Man, folks, we need these promises. Everything you dealt with this past week, God had a promise for. He had a promise not just to help you survive this past week, but to thrive in this past week. In His wisdom, in His strength, in His love and purpose. God's promises have everything you need for the week ahead. There's nothing that's going to happen that God doesn't have a promise for you. And in everything, God's answer to you in that promise is yes. I love 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises, every single promise God has ever made to any person, to a, to a nation, for, for all the promises of God. I love this phrase, find their yes in Him. You know, folks, I said a moment ago, we can't, we can't ignore the, the, the conditions that go with promises, but... Boy, folks, ultimately, if the only way a promise was fulfilled was based on me, I don't know about y'all, I'd be in trouble. Ultimately, the yes is found in him. All right? It's in Jesus that every promise is a yes. You know, I think about these last two weeks. Man, we've said a lot about Jesus. (laughs) I mean, last week, Jesus is the only way to the Father's house. And, of course, we didn't say that. He said that, right? Jesus is the only... Who gives him the authority and the right to say that? Or today we say every promise, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, every promise finds their yes in him. How can that be true of one person? Well, one, he's the son of God. (laughs) But Jesus is the only one. Jesus is the only one who went to the cross for your sins. So we don't like to think much about consequences. We don't like there to think there's much to our rebellion and our rejection of God and his ways but but there is a consequence and he he went to the cross and he took that consequence on himself he did that first and foremost out of love for his father and in obedience to his father and he did that then out of out of love for you and not only did he go to the cross and did he pay that penalty but he won He won. He rose victorious three days later, conquering sin and death and hell for you and me. And only Jesus, only Jesus has done that for you. Only Jesus. So it's only in Jesus that we get back to the Father. It's only in Him that every single promise becomes a yes. Boy, thank you, Jesus, huh? Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that by living in him, I can find a yes to every promise you've ever made. Oh, Lord, would you help us have the the discipline? It is a discipline to think on and work on and to live in these promises, to depend upon your promises instead of ourselves. Instead of the things of the world. Oh God, could we be a people for whom the greatest thing about us here at the Heights. Is that we live profoundly and powerfully in the promises of our God. It's in Jesus name that we pray.
Amen. Amen.